Hello and welcome to Tax Yak, a tax banter podcast. We love yakking about tax, so we've invited a range of tax experts and practitioners to have a chat with us. We hope you enjoy this episode of Tax Yak. I'm Robin Jacobson, a senior trainer with Tax Banter and your host of today's podcast. I'm joined by Michael Caravas, director at the ATO and design lead of Single Touch Payroll. Michael has over 25 years experience in tax administration with most of the last 20 years focusing on the implementation of new government initiatives. For two years, Michael was seconded to the Treasury where he was the policy lead on the development of STP. Michael also chairs the STP Design Working Group, which works collaboratively with a broad range of industry stakeholders on STP design issues. On 27 March, Michael co-presented a webinar with me on STP. And arising from that webinar came a number of questions. Uh, We tried to address them on the day, but uh, there were so many that we've decided that today's podcast will deal with the questions that arose during that webinar, or which have been forwarded us since the webinar. So we've got about 50 questions to work our way through. Michael, welcome to Taxiac. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, Robin. It's great to have you here. And this follows, of course, the, uh, the podcast that we recorded on Monday with John. So uh, we've already had a chat about where STP is sitting, but perhaps if um, I can update everyone on the current figures, because this seems to be escalating at a rapid rate of knots. It's like the doors are open and everyone's open for business. Yes, so I think every day we come in and see the new numbers are really surprised and very happy. It is good. So I want to go back actually to the 27th of March. That's the day we ran our webinar. There were 72,000 employers reporting through STP about 45,000 substantial employers and around 27,000 small employers who are voluntarily reporting, covering about 5 million employees now able to access information through MyGov. On the 8th of April, that figure had increased to 80,000 employers, 47,500 substantial, 32,000 small and about 5.6 million employees. And as of the 15th of April, the figure's now up to 86,000 employers, about 48,500 substantial, 37,000 small, and 5.986 million employees. Now, that was a day or so ago, Michael. Do you reckon it's cracked the 6 million employees? I believe employees? we have cracked the 6 million. That's huge. It's, a, it's, just, it's, like, the counting, it's like the population clock. It's, it's just rolling. Exponentially. <laughs> yes. So they're coming on board at the rate of about eight to 900 employers a day. Yeah. It's almost jumping up by 10,000 every couple of weeks. That's right. So we've been really pleased with um, how people have got on board over the, pretty much from about February this year. So obviously once people got back from Christmas. And Royal Ascent was given. That was significant. Yeah. And with that, that was a real real boon for with small. So we're seeing a lot more, obviously there's a lot more small employers, um, but just the numbers, we've been really, really happy with that take up. That's good. All right. Well, let's launch straight into these questions. So thank you to all of you who submitted questions either through the webinar on the 27th of March, and that recording is still available through our website, or people have emailed us since through podcast at taxbanter.com.au. So um, in no particular order, I'm going to kick off with a question from Eve, and each of these questions I'm going to direct back to you, Michael, and um, we'll get a response. So her question is, it's two parts. If an entity has under four closely held payees, say mum, dad and two children working in the business, I believe they can report on a quarterly basis. My question is, how do they report on a quarterly basis? That is, can they still continue to report via their BAS W1 and W2? And if so, how long can they continue to do this for? Okay, Robin. Uh, And thanks for the question, Eve. So a couple of points there. So um, the all small businesses and medium withholders will still be reporting via the BAS because um, that's facilitating their payment. 
single touch payroll is a separate report to the BAS, um, and it's at the employee level of the year-to-date tax and superannuation position. So um, they'll still need to complete their BAS each quarter with their amounts, so, um, so we can record the amounts on their account. Um, now, with reporting quarterly, there are a couple of solutions we understand that have come into the market. There's a like a reporting solution for agents who want to report quarterly. So this is where you've done your calculations and you just enter them into um, a reporting solution and that gets sent through to the ATO. Or alternatively, if you're using payroll software, um, you could either do like a one a quarterly pay run or you'll be able to do all your pay runs and, re- and just send them all through by the due date for your BAS. So with what? quarterly reporting... The due date is the date of your BAS. And if there was an extended date on the BAS, i.e. through an agent because of that electronic lodgement, you would allow the extended date? That's correct. Okay. So the concept is it aligns with when you're seeing your agent to do your BAS, so no point making you go in twice. Yep, understand. Without getting into any commercial names, uh, you mentioned that there would be a solution available where they could basically just upload the relevant data without actually being a full payroll solution. Do you know if that's one solution or there are multiple solutions? I understand that like that? There, is, um, there are some in the market now and there's some more in development at the okay. moment. Okay, yep. very good. So hopefully, Eve, that answers your question. On to Raylene. And Raylene's asked about small, closely held payees. In fact, there's a number of questions here. Is the start date delay of 1 July 2020 automatically applied or do we need to apply for that concession? Um, you don't need to apply, but you'll need to notify us of who the closely held um, payees are. So we're just in the process now of developing um, a form so you can send through that details for us. And to be clear, is that something that applies for the period 1 July 19 to 1 July 2020, or are we talking about notifying the ATO effectively from the period 1 July 20 onwards? It's for the one period 1 July 20 onwards. Okay. So, so it's the- an exemption. You can self-assess yourself against the exemption. Um, but obviously we'll be that'll have to come out before 1 July next year so that we know in advance who's taking up that quarterly option for closely held. Very good. If you can, this is also from Raylene, if you can fix errors on BAS W1W2 labels, how does it know which employee the correction relates to without actually amending the STP report? That's a good that's, question. That is a great question. Um, so the answer is we don't know, but, but that's the actual design. So the design is that... Um, it's self, at the employee level, it's self-corrects. So when you fix up your payroll, you just send that through on the next report. Um, so if you do need to do an adjustment on the BAS, we may see a small um, discrepancy between the employee level and the what's in the BAS because we won't see that adjustment at the employee level. Um, our systems that are looking for discrepancies recognise that. So they're never doing a hard match on a quarter-by-quarter basis. Um, obviously, at the end of the financial year, when you finalise everybody, we can look back and do a reconciliation. But we've got tolerances built in so that we don't, you know, we don't pick up a discrepancy throughout the year. Because so that's if it's one system. week to the next or that's something right. like that. Yep. But if there was an error or a mismatch, if you like, or a misalignment between what's on the BAS in a given quarter and what the STP reports are telling you through the year-to-date figures, yep. you'd be more concerned if at year end that's, that's not matching right, up. Yeah. So, okay. so, so we recognise it. There's highly likely to be slight variations throughout the year. Obviously, if it's like $20,000, we might give you a call. But if it's something that's within a normal correction of a payroll, um, we wouldn't be coming to talk to you about that. That's just the system as designed. Also from Raylene, has the finalisation declaration due by 14 July been extended to 14 August? So perhaps you could just quickly revisit the due dates for all of this because everyone's accustomed Mm. to the 14 July payment summary and then the PSAR, the Payment Summary Annual Report, due by 14 August. That's right. So under the, in the STP law, the date for finalisation is the 14th of July. So that aligns with when you would 
traditionally give your employees the payment summaries. Um, there is no PSAR under STP because you do that um, through your STP report. Um, Recognising that, um, especially for the transition, employers would need some additional time coming from 14th of August. Um, for this financial year, for those who have started reporting, we've given to the 31st of um, July. Um, and for substantial employers, that will then come forward to the 14th of July next year. Um, we're just in the process of finalising the date for small businesses starting on 1 July this year. Um, our expectation is that will mirror what we've just done now, which is the 31st of July. All right. So that would be a one-off transitional reporting yep. deadline. And then beyond that, it'd be back to 14 July. That's correct. Yep. All right. So on to Debbie. And Debbie has asked, by when do we need to apply for the concession for the closely held payees? So this is a very good question too. Yes. So just to understand, perhaps some retrack on that. The concession that Debbie's referring to is one that we talked about in our webinar. There will, of course, be a 12-month exemption for the closely held payees to 1 July 2020. Beyond that, the concession is that you will be able to apply for quarterly reporting on an ongoing basis, but there will be a payment due every quarter at making a reasonable estimate That's of correct. what the yep. amount should be. So by when would an employer need to apply for this? Uh, so we're just finalising all of the guidance on that, but the expectation is that you would have up until the 30th of June next year, so effectively before the start of the financial year. That'll allow everyone to go and see their, you know, their accountant you know, for, this year's, well, for next year's tax time. Usually, you know, that's a sort of a February through to sort of May time frame. So part of that, you should be then setting up your um, your customers with closely held employees for the next financial year. So really, if we're saying June 30, 2020, that gives us two more compliance seasons, and I'm including the current yep. compliance season as part of that, for the advisors to sit down with their clients and work out, do we want to apply for this concession? That's right, yep. Yep, that's reasonable. Okay, on to Van. And Van has asked whether closely held payees need to apply for the exemption or is it automatic? So this is almost dovetailing with some of the previous questions, but again, is this something that is going to be automatically available to a closely held employer or is it going to be on application only? So it's automatic. Um, as, and as I said earlier, it's just about we need to be notified for when people move into the, um, into the quarterly reporting. So obviously we're not, you know, that stops us having an expectation that we're going to see payday reporting for those close to held employees. So to be clear, it's automatic exemption for the 1920 financial year, yep. but they would need to apply for ongoing quarterly reporting from 1 July 2020. That's correct. Yep. Okay. For those, and this is still from Van, from those who get an exemption, do they continue the PAYG withholding summary? So basically the payment summary. That's right. So if you're exempt from STP, you fall back into the existing system of payment summaries and payment summary annual reports. Very good. What happens if the software providers get hacked or if they lose information via a fire at their premises? So you're being rather dramatic there, Van, but um, look, it's a yeah. valid question. Uh, so look... Um, we can only do what we can do. Um, we don't control the software developers, but what we do, what we have put in place with the HO is put in place what we call the um, operational framework for software developers, which means that they need to go through a whole range of um, audits around their information security, where they store data, backups, etc. cetera. Um, and unless they pass through that, we don't actually whitelist them to actually um, be able to connect to our services. So we've done due diligence that they have got the appropriate, um, you know, protections in place. But again, it's, you know, it's always buyer beware in the market. So, you know, I would always suggest that people do their own due diligence before they buy a product. This is now just my question, Michael. I'm thinking of an employer who does have an IT issue. So there might be a hack, there might be a virus yeah. or some problem where basically their system breaks down. 
Would they be able to go to the ATO and be able to get almost a copy of the data or the reports that have been sent already? Would the ATO be able to assist them in reconstructing that if necessary? Uh, at the moment, we don't have services which allow you to draw back down the data that you've sent in. Yes. Um, we are looking at whether we need to build that in the future. Um, but obviously, in the case of an emergency or you know a, a disaster, I'd always suggest to people to reach out to the ATO for assistance. Um, and there's always things that we can do to help people and you know who've had one of these you know disaster effects. Okay. Van has asked another question. Do you need to report ETP? So this is the Employment Termination Payments via STP. Yes, you do. Okay, I'm going to be more specific with you, uh -huh. Michael. There yeah. are two types of ETPs. There are the life benefits and the death benefits. Right. So can you split it into two? Because I yes. believe there's different treatments. Yes, so, we're, so the death benefits that aren't subject to withholding, um, there's no requirement to report those. So that's an optional feature. That's right. So okay. some people, some software is just configured to send stuff through um, and that will come through, but there's no requirement to report that. But certainly the regular termination payments when someone leaves your employment, yep. they're still alive and kicking. That's that right. That would be through STP. And you know, and, you know the, the analogy is if the person needs the information to do their tax return, it's generally in the STP report. All right. Moving on to Jan Marie. What about reporting for micro-employers with only closely held employees? Is it correct they don't need to do anything until 1 July 2020? That is correct, other than if you want to take up the quarterly reporting to notify us before the 1 July that you go to do quarterly reporting from 1 July 2020. Okay, how do they notify? That's now my question adding to January. All right, um, so there's an existing notification um, for the current closely held exemption. So we're looking at whether we just adjust that one to, because um, currently it's only at the ABN level, because it's for entities where everybody's closely held. Uh, one of the changes we've brought in is the con the concession will be for any closely held um, small employer. Um, so we'll be updating that form and it'll be lost through the portal. Or actually online services. Yeah, sorry, the online yep. services, yes. Okay. Also from Jan-Marie, if I set up software today and want to start reporting straight away, will I have to enter all the pay history into the software? That's a good question. That's an excellent question. Um, so... The way that we've designed STP, effectively, we've allowed a lot of choice. So sometimes the choice is taken by the software developer, um, but sometimes they have allowed the, um, the employer to make that choice. So in this circumstances, if you've moved into software halfway through the year, you've got two choices. One, you can bring your year-to-date figures in and just start reporting. In that case, there's no payment summaries. Or alternatively, you can just start in the payroll software from zero, um, and then you would have to do a payment summary for the other part of the year. Okay, so there is flexibility as to how you come on That's board. That's right. Yep. All right. Nimesh has asked a question about closely held payees. If we run their payroll on a fortnightly basis, can the software report on a quarterly basis? Oh, that's a really interesting question. So I'm probably going to answer that in a couple of ways. So effectively, um, if your payroll is generating an STP report, um, it begs the question of why you would wait till the end of the quarter to send all of those through. Um, if you're running some old software that doesn't isn't STP compatible, if you qualify for that quarterly reporting concession, um, there's nothing stopping you from going into that model. But I'd suggest that if you've got payroll software and it can create STP reports, um, it's much easier and more streamlined to report on the payday because it's literally another click of the button at the end of the process. In the words of a certain sporting company, just do it. Yes. All right. Adam has asked... If amounts reported at W1 and W2 on the BAS don't match the payroll system, what needs to be done given that STP reporting can't be backdated? So again, I think this is similar to an earlier question. 
um, there's a recognition that because employees are always corrected rolling forward, that there's highly likely to be some mismatches quarter by quarter. Obviously, at the end of the year, when you do your end of year finalisation and reconciliations, that should add up over the whole year. So again, we won't do we won't be doing hard reconciliations month by month or quarter by quarter. Um, you know, we'd only be looking at you know where there's very big variances, which there's obviously something missing or gone wrong. So in answer to the question, what needs to be done? You can't change the STP report, so you put the correct figure on the BAS, and then the STP reports would somehow catch up. Yes, because you think about it when you're doing your BAS. And obviously, if you're seeing your bookkeeper or your agent and they do the reconciliation and find the error, uh, you can't go back six weeks. So you go into your payroll system, make the corrections, that updates the year-to-dates, and that just gets picked up in the next payroll event. So there's always that timing difference, um, but that's a part of the design of the system. So we expect to see that. Okay. Also from Adam, will tax agents be able to submit an amended finalisation declaration similar to an amended PSAR, the Payment Summary Annual Report, should there be reconciliation discrepancies with wages and super found after the 14th of July? Simple answer, yes. How long have they got to make these amendments? Um, we're, we're holding the STP system open for five years. Um, so expecting that most people will find most mistakes in that five-year period. All right. Question that I have put to you privately in our consultation discussions, but I'll ask it publicly in this forum. If you've got an individual who is a, a simple taxpayer in terms of they're on a two-year amendment period, not a four-year, and let's say the employer finds the error after year three, they've got five years to go back and change the finalisation declaration to make that correct, but what happens to the employee who's already lodged their return and it's out of time to amend? So if effectively the HO won't push that amendment through. If it's, um, if it's in the taxpayer's favour and they want to, they can always come in and ask for an extension of time for period And that's review. probably something that would be granted? Yep. Okay. So you could end up with a misalignment between the employee's return and the employer's return? That's right. All yep. right. If they're not out of time, so let's say it's a classic four-year amendment period for the employee, it's found at year three, mm-hmm. would the ATO automatically amend the individual's return? Uh, in most circumstances, we will. Um, if it's a credit amendment, we'll generally just push that out to the employee um, with the appropriate messaging on the notice of assessment. Um, if it's a debit, they'll get a notification um, similar to a discrepancy um, case now, where they've got you know 28 days to know, you know to question or provide further evidence. Yes. Um, and after that, we'll push out the amendment. Penalties or a GIC on amendments if it was a case where they owed more tax? Uh, generally. Um, in these sort of circumstances where it's the employer hasn't provided them more information, um, unless there was some form of collusion, there wouldn't yes. be any penalties. Very good. Question from Anthony. If you have a mixture of external and closely held payees, does concessional treatment apply? So this was actually a question that Anthony put to us twice during the yeah. webinar and he came back uh, again and asked, just confirming when there is a mixture of external and closely held payees, what are the lodgement and reporting concessions? Okay. So, so we've got a combination yep. of the two. Yeah. So, um, so this is a little bit different to what currently exists with the closely held exemption. So that's where all employ, sorry, um, concession. That's where all employees are closely held. Um, but under STP, the concession applies to all closely held employees um, up to the you know up to the limit of twenty employees. Uh, so if you're a substantial employer, you're not you don't get the concession. Um, but you're still required to report your arm's length employees um, on payday as normal. And I think it's important to point out that because the finalisation declaration and in fact the pay events that are at the employee level are done per employee, it is of course more than possible 
and in fact able, that you yeah. would lodge as normal and as required by the due dates for your arm's length employees, but you've got additional time to report information for the closely held payees. That's correct, Robin. Okay. Question from Brian. Many micro-employers will have closely held payees. Am I correct in saying that STP will have a 1 July 2020 start date? So I'm going to pause there, and I think we can say yes to yes, that. Yes, yes. What are the practical implications for micro-employers who choose not to use a tax agent to meet their STP requirements? Uh, so there's no obligation to use an agent. Um, you can, if you're capable and comfortable in reporting yourself, um, you're able to take um, advantage of that concession. Uh, again, there are some simplified methods, so you don't have to do a full calculation of what your salary and wages are. Uh, there's a fact sheet that we put out that goes takes you through those options. But effectively, you, if you pay 25% of your previous amounts, um, that's a safe harbour, which gives you up until um, when you lodge your tax return to do a finalisation and, and finalise what your salary and wage position is. Which recognises that in many cases, it's that period after your end that these amounts are determined. That's right. Yep. Okay, moving on to Morris. Morris has asked, have a client that wants to pay SG weekly. How will this work with STP? So there are actually three questions here, but I'll pause on that one. Uh, so STP has no impact on when and how often you want to or have to pay super guarantee. Um, so if you want to pay weekly, you're more than entitled to do so. I have to share with you, Michael, it's a question that has been recurring in my training sessions. They're asking, are we going to see real-time payment of the PAYG and the SG? Now, I think most people have now realised it's not a requirement at the moment, but there's still this nagging concern by many that it will be forced upon them at some point. Um, uh, all you, I can say comment? is there's no government policy to do so at the time. There yes. was, If you go back through the history of STP, there was some consultation at the very beginning around um, whether payments in real-time... Um, were feasible and there was some pretty strong feedback, um, especially from the small business community. Um, the government uh, made an announcement that they weren't going to pursue that and that's the last statement that's been made on it and that was well over two years ago. Okay, so government position is not on the agenda. Yep. Um, if an employer wants to, of course... Uh, as much nothing... as I can speak for the government, I just oh, glad by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, if an employer wants to pay more frequently, they're, they're welcome to. They're more, yeah, And there are a number of um, employers who do so just because they like to manage their cash flow and we find that... It also means if you're paying weekly, for example, you're not having to come back on a separate cycle to attend to the payment yeah. of the withholding and the payment of the yeah, super. Yeah, I think what we've found anecdotally is it's generally people have got into trouble and then got themselves out of trouble. Um, they put themselves onto a regular payment plan just so that they don't get into trouble again. Okay. So still from Morris, is the per-employee finalisation declaration going to cater for closely held employees? Uh, yes, there's... So you do finalise at each employee level. And that is the one that we're going to be able to do for uh, by lodgement day for those particular payees. Yep. All right. Still from Morris, when is the ATO going to contact employers about their requirements or is the ATO expecting accountants and bookkeepers, being, of course, tax agents and BAS agents, to contact clients as the initial point of contact? Uh, so the ATO is contacting all um, small employers. So we've already... Directly? Directly. So we've already written to them all. Um, either via email or by um, the old paper method, just and that was the awareness, just to say STP is coming. Um, there'll be another bulk mail out, I think in May, um, about you know now's the time to get ready. Um, but we also do recognise the importance that agents play, um, especially in the small business market. Question from Julie: What happens if the pay is not a regular exercise? For example, small company with two directors. 
and they only pay themselves at the end of the tax year after consulting with the tax agent. Um, so under STP, there's only a requirement to report when you make a payment subject to withholding. Um, so in the question here is about when the payment happened, not when um, the agent or the business turned their mind to say, what amounts have I taken out of the business that are actually um, director's fees or salary and wages? So if I want to pay myself twice a year at irregular times, or if I want to pay myself once a year in June, there's nothing stopping me doing that. That's correct. Um, but if you want to take advantage of the concession to be able to make adjustments up until when you do your tax return... For the closely held payee. For the closely held, you need to do the quarterly reporting. So that's really just a case of we'll let you report quarterly and we'll let you do the declaration after year end, but we want some money from you along the way. A reasonable, a reasonable approximation amount. of the amount, yes. <laughs> so there's got to be some collection yeah, as we that's go. that's right. Okay. Uh, Julie's question continues. What happens if someone works as a casual employee based on a timesheet and presents the timesheet for payment every quarter to the employer? Now, I've got to say I'm quite intrigued by this because the notion that you've got someone working for you casually but they only get paid once a quarter, it seems a very long period of time. So I don't want to question what's happening commercially, but how would that work in practice? So again, if you only pay someone quarterly, um, don't hear of that happening too often, that's the payment that's subject to withholding. That's the day you would report. So there'd only be a quarterly report. So to add my own question in, if you had casual workers where there might be three months where they're being paid every week, and then I'm thinking classic seasonal, where it goes quiet for a month or two, and then they come back on, if there's nothing to report, do they still have to lodge an STP report with zero values? Or no, are they not don't. reporting? No, you only report where you made a payment. Okay, thank you. Uh, just to clarify where you made a payment, not whether you've done withholding. So if the payment is too low, so it's below the tax-free threshold, yes. it still needs to be reported. So even if there's no actual withholding, there's still been a withholding event That's occur, right. yes. even if the withholding amount turns out to be zero under that calculation, That's yep. and in which case you would have to report. Okay. Elizabeth has asked, what happens, and we've got a whole series of questions here on seasonal and, and casual workers, what happens when you don't have regular payroll, for example, farms with shearers once or twice a year? An excellent question. And Robin, we sat in a room discussing this at length just a week ago. Yes, we did. Um, so look, we're pulling together our approach. Um, this concept of seasonality has come up quite a bit. Um, what we're looking to do is come up with a practical solution. Um, most likely we will be allowing these people to, lodge in, um, to move into a quarterly reporting. In extreme circumstances, there's exemptions. But given that they've got to withhold and report and pay with their BAS, I think our feeling at the moment is that the most appropriate would be that um, that would be a quarterly report. Um, but we've still got a little bit more work to do just to, um, you know, to do the lower level detail on that. But that should be coming fairly soon. All right. So Elizabeth is now asking, what about employees who are not working with a closely held employer and they're not on a regular pay cycle? So I'll rephrase that. We've got employees that are arm's length, but they're not on a regular pay cycle. So again... Um, the reporting is driven off when the payment's made, so you would have a regular reporting. What we have done in the STP design um, is said that where you've got out-of-cycle payments, so where you've got a regular fortnightly pay cycle or a weekly pay cycle and you make payments you know, off payday, you can roll those forward into that um, regular pay cycle. Okay. Crazia has asked... What about seasonal workers working in the agricultural industry who may only work for a couple of weeks but are not a micro-employer? So they'll be assuming 5 to 19, they could be even substantial. Are there any concessions available where they're not micro but it's still seasonal? Yeah, so I think this goes back to the a couple of questions earlier, it might have been. Um, 
So we're just looking at finalising how we can deal with these seasonal um, workforces or what we call like an accidental employer where something happens and you've got to bring someone in for a couple of weeks. Um, do you want them to go through the whole process of setting up payroll and payday reporting? Uh, in the most cases, I think where we're tending to go to, that's more likely to be um, a quarterly reporting requirement. But again, we're just finalising that. All right. Alice has asked, what happens if a small business has only one employee working part-time? Do they still need to report uh, STP through their software? I know they can use zero, but it still costs $10 a month. Yeah. So um, first answer is yes, they still, um, everybody's in STP, unless you get an exemption. Um, it might fall into this concept, if especially if they're ad hoc, you know, they might fall into this accidental um, concept that we're still finalising definitions on. But I also point people to our small business um, low-cost solutions register on our website. There are some free products um, out there in the market that do full payroll for a couple of employees. So And it's in zero cost. That's zero cost. Uh, if you're interested in looking at that list, it is available at ato.gov.au forward slash STP solutions. That's forward slash STP solutions. Um, and I was... Um, quite impressed, I've got to say, Michael, I didn't realise till about a week ago, and I've been involved with the STP consultation for over three years now, the list of these low-cost and no-cost solutions, you're basically recycling or refreshing the order in which they appear. Yes. So there's no favouritism given to the, no, that's right. the business that appears at the top of the list and we reject the one at the bottom of yes, the list. Yes, whenever we do a list, we always get asked the question, what's the ordering? So it's random. Do you know how often it updates? I, I think it, well, it's that. every time we update, so at least monthly. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Question that I want to throw to you, and this actually came up today in uh, one of my training sessions. What if you're on the quarterly reporting concession for the closely held payees? So you're lodging a quarterly report, you're doing a reasonable estimate, and then after your end, you change your mind. So in other words, we thought we were going to be paying ourselves a salary or wage or a director's fee, but no, we've decided we don't want to do that now. We now want to do a trust distribution or pay a dividend, and neither of those would be subject to STP reporting and, of course, withholding. Mm. What would they do in that situation where they've actually submitted the reports during the year, paid the quarterly amounts on the reasonable estimate, and then post-year-end decide, no, that's not what I want to do? Because these decisions can happen as part of that post-year-end yep. discussion with their tax agent. Yep. So given that we've allowed people up until they lodge their tax return to um, to do their finalisation, um, if they went down to zero, they would be able to do that finalisation of zero. Um, in those circumstances, they'd have to go back and revise their BASAs um, for the withholding amounts to be refunded. So in that case, we'd end up with the ability to vary the finalisation down to zero, but there'd be a, a, basically a variation of the BASAs and you'd recover the, the amounts That's through right. that so process. So you just follow the normal BAS revision process. Elizabeth, this is a different Elizabeth to the previous one that I referred to. So 14 July is the date that the finalisation declaration is ordinarily due. And her question is that it doesn't give enough time when small employers are relying on the tax agent or the accountant to reconcile payroll for the year. Now, I think we need to be clear on what we're looking at. If we're saying closely held payees, they can apply, of course, for the extension until lodgement day. Assuming you're not under that concession, you're a micro-employer, one to four employees, or I'm going to call it a small generally, up yep. to 19 employees. How do you respond to that? Because 14 July is a short time frame, but noting, of course, they've had to do that anyway all these years. That's right. By 14 July to issue yes. the payment summaries. So there was a conscious decision to pick the 14th of July because that's the date that people got their payment summaries, and now you'll need that STP finalisation to have certainty to do your tax return. Um, 
but it is an approved form, so there is an opportunity for people to ask for additional time where they need to. Or they can amend it subsequently. Or they can amend it subsequently. Um, There is an online um, deferral and exemption tool which will allow you to make an application online for additional time to do finalisation. Just so everyone's clear, how do they find that online application form? So it's in um, both the business portal or the online services for agents. Okay. This next question is from Irina, or Irina, so apologies if I've got that pronunciation incorrect. If we were to start reporting under STP now, so let's say today we're talking mid-April, would we still be required to issue payment summaries for the year ending June 30, 2019 to capture the payroll amounts not reported under STP until now? That's a really good question. That is a great question. Um, So it's an interesting, so I'm going to say it depends. Um, So it depends on your solution. So the way it's been designed is because it's year-to-date reporting. If you bring in the year-to-date figures, then there's no need to go back and do payment summaries. So effectively, it's only for information that doesn't come in through STP, you would have to do a payment summary. Um, for what we've seen is most of the major packages um, are bringing in year-to-date. I think as we spoke about earlier, we've got hundreds of businesses starting every day. Our expectation is that they won't be doing payment summaries. Because they'll just bring in the year-to-date they figures as the opening balances. That's right critical point and employers are still getting this wrong in some cases if you do issue a payment summary for a part year before you enter STP do not re-report those figures through STP or you'll be doubling effectively that person's income Uh, Erina or Irina has also asked are the small and micro employers being educated by the ATO regarding STP including the reporting solutions so um, we're doing a lot of education. Um, we do a lot of um, webinars available on our website. Um, also, these sort of events and a lot of um, public events. And as I said before, we're writing out to all businesses. There's a stack of stuff on our website. Um, in regards to the reporting solutions, um, we don't endorse any particular product. Um, the, we're agnostic to those on the list. Um, so there is the opportunity for, I think, for yourself or for your agent to help you um, to do some due diligence, but there's a whole suite of products there um, to meet your needs from you know from phone apps through to full payroll through to simple reporting solutions. Okay, Ali has asked, my question is in regards to making adjustments after the financial year has ended. If it's been more than 14 days since the last pay run, what would be the correct process? Okay, so where you're making an adjustment after the end of financial year, um, I think the easiest way to describe that is exactly the same as you would do now with a payment summary. Um, but you do you report it through STP as a as a, a refinalisation event or amended finalisation rather than an amended payment summary. So our guidance is that you should notify us within fourteen days of finding the error, um, and that's basically the process. Just same as what you do now, but through STP rather than a payment summary. So next question is from Chris: Is any STP reporting instantly accessible via MyGov and the Tax Agent Portal? Instantly is the second question. So how quickly, once the report's submitted, does it appear at the ATO end and then, of course, then get pre-filled or dropped down into MyGov and, and Tax Agent Portal and so, so on? It wouldn't, I wouldn't say instantly, but it is, it's pretty quick. So I think the largest file we've loaded is 40,000 employees, and that took two hours. Okay. So for most small employers that we've spoken to, you know, with half a dozen or even 20 or 30, by the time they've logged out of STP, they've lodged their STP and then gone in and loaded, logged into the portal, it's there. So without putting words in your mouth, it would certainly be within hours and probably within minutes. In most cases, yes. I just think, I just a word of warning, 
when we get to tax time for those first two weeks of July, we expect it to be a little bit slower just because of the huge strain where you know all the private health funds are loading their information, all the med- Medicare, um, et cetera, comes through. Um, but we expect it 24 hours to you know, 48 at the worst. Okay. Michelle has asked, is it possible for the ATO to provide us with a client list of all our PAYG withholders and preferably a list of withholders who are already reporting under single-touch payroll? We've contacted the ATO and the only solution they gave us was to run a report of our GST registered clients, but then that leaves us to work through whether they're withholders as well. Well, Michelle, I don't think you're the only person who's asked that question, so I'm happy to say that, yes, we've listened and we're in the process of pulling together a mail out. Um, I think the date I heard over the last couple of days is we were aiming for the 15th of May. Um, for that to go out? For that to go out. Um, and that will be a full list of all of your PAYG registered um, ABNs attached to your agent number and whether they are or not reporting. Through STP? Through, yeah. Because in some cases they may be a registered withholder but they may have already jumped into STP that's through a right. BAS agent or by themselves without talking to their tax that's agent. Right. So that yep. list will be very, very handy. Yes. Amanda has asked, will it really capture the employers doing the wrong thing? If people are outside the system now, they won't suddenly decide to do STP. I think my answer to that question is, I, I usually turn that around. Um, if we see someone reporting through STP, that gives us comfort that they've got processes and systems in place um, to manage their tax affairs for them and their employees. It's actually those who are outside the system. So it's actually about by not being in STP, you're bringing attention to yourself. Okay. Martin has asked, does STP apply to super funds which pay pensions from which tax needs to be withheld? That is a good question. That is a good question. And the answer is no, it's not. Quite simply. So super funds are out of scope. For their employees, they're in scope. But for their superannuation payments, they're out of scope. Uh, it comes back to the history around the word payroll is that um, we really designed around what's a typical payment made out of a typical payroll system. Superannuation funds pay their pensions out of their their normal um, registers, etc. So they don't use payroll to pay super pensions. Perhaps a, another way of expressing it is STP is not designed to capture every withholding amount That's in the right. system. It's designed to capture PAYG withholding for employees. Yes. Yep. Okay. Deborah has asked, uh, slide 17, employer view. So this is just a reference for those of you who want to go back to your slides. There is an extract of ATO online. Her question is, what is the registered agent number? Is it a tax agent number? And if not, what registration is required and by whom? So it is a registered agent number. The reason we use that rather than tax agent number is because um, BAS agents are also entitled to, um, to lodge STP reports and manage withholding on behalf of employers so it's the generic so this is terminology so yeah. registered agent means bass agent or tax agent that's right okay that's an easy one but there's an expectation that you should if you were running payroll and doing calculations or lodging on behalf of a business you should be a registered agent either tax or bass yes agent. and tax uh, practitioners board's going to be interested in that too that's right yes. making sure people are not providing services when they and shouldn't there is be gui- they have put out guidance over the last few years around payroll um, providers and whether they should be registered or not also from Deborah, if we report super through STP, do we also need to report super through the portal? Uh, I think what might be getting touched there is, um, so on payday, you report through STP your super liability. So that's the amount that you should be paying and that generally equates to what you put on um, your employee's payslip. Um, 
again, STP is reporting only, not payments. So if you're referring to paying super through um, the clearinghouse, you can continue to do that. Or effectively, you just continue to pay super how you're doing it now. So whether you're um, using a super stream solution going straight to um, to the funds or whether you're going through the small business clearinghouse, you continue to do that. All right, on to Warren's question. Does the super show what has been paid, also what has been accrued and what is outstanding? So perhaps just clarifying exactly what does get shown in relation to super. Okay, so... From the single tax payroll view, um, we will show the employee what has accrued from the employer. Um, again, that re that really relates to what's on their payslip, so a year-to-date figure. Um, separately, the superannuation funds under what we call MATS, Member Account Transaction Services, are now reporting payments in near to real time. So you continue to pay the super fund, they'll then report that to the HO, and we have another screen that's just come in in March where an employee can go in and see all of their contributions um, from all, from everywhere, not just from employers, but their own contributions as well. Um, we then look at those two pieces of information in our data, you know, through our data analytics to look for shortfalls. Okay, so continuing with the super questions, this one's from Joseph. Will super contributions through the clearinghouse cease? No. So we're not changing our payment arrangements There's at no all. change to the payment arrangements. Okay, so Joseph, the answer to that one is no. Joan has asked, what happens when a part-time employee salary sacrifices all their pay to superannuation every pay period? So no salary, but it's now all self-sacked yep. super. So under the current rules, where um, if you salary sacrifice all of your um, all of your income, you don't actually have an amount subject to withholding. So there's no STP reporting requirement. Um, that may require you to report a risk amount. Um, under STP, you can do that at the end of the year, or you can do it um, each payday. A lot of software is configured for um, for super sacrifice to actually do the risk every payday because it's in the payroll system. So that means if there's no salary being paid, then arguably there's no ordinary times earnings on which SG would be payable either, so it's all sell sack. That's correct. Um, there was an amendment before Parliament to uh, change the calculation of OTE for um, super guarantee, um, but obviously with the calling of the election, all bills have lapsed. That measure has lapsed. Yes. Next question is from Jennifer. Has the ATO verified the software developers and providers for security reasons? So really, I think Jennifer's asking about the vetting process and certification yep. to bring on those software developers. Yeah, so all software developers have to go through our operational framework process. Uh, that does involve um, security vetting. Um, they need to get, I think it's an IRAP assessment or ISO 2701. Don't quote me on that one, but I know now I'm recorded. Um, but effectively, yes, they do need to go through um, security vetting. Okay, and there are uh, specifications that they need to meet and criteria that must yep. be met when they're developing that software. That's right. Okay. I think it's also worth letting everyone know that as part of the low-cost and no-cost solutions that have been offered to the market and are still being developed, the ATO has been conducting site visits. So they actually go out to the software developers, they look at the software, they look at the app, they look at the solution until it say, how does this work and, and how long does it take me to do it? So you're actually going through that process. That's right. Of the, sort of the sleeves rolled up. Yeah, so if you go back to the criteria, it wasn't just $10. There was a few other criteria. One, that it was a full end-to-end -end solution, so you couldn't um, tack it onto something else to say, oh, you can have payroll for $9 if you buy something else for $50. Um, but also about being easy to use, repeatable, set up in a number of minutes. So there's a few criteria. So we really are doing due diligence that people just can't get on the list um, just by sending in their names. Very good. Uh, question from Jennifer also. If you transition from a micro-employer, say four employees, to five employees, is there any transactional, 
Is there any transitional relief available to ensure the software updates, etc., can be implemented? Uh, great question. We discussed this again just last week. Um, so if you're taking advantage of the quarterly reporting for the first two years because you're a micro-employer, uh, we're only going to assess you on the day that you apply. So if you've got four employees, on the day that you, not- that you as the agent, notify us that you want to do that for your client, you're in for the first two years. So we're not looking to churn people in and out if they go to five or six and then drop back down to four. That said, there could be software limitations. So the software you bought, particularly if it's a low cost or a no cost, may yeah. restrict you from adding a fifth employee in. So you may be forced yeah. onto a different software solution or to the paid version or a higher cost solution uh, because your number of employees has gone up. But yeah. it wouldn't change the arrangement that the employer has with the ATO for that quarterly reporting no, that's for two years. Yeah. So that's, again, that's, um, you know, that's the commercial arrangement between you know, the customer and the software developer. Next question is from Kylie. Can you please advise if we start now an STP, will I need to do a payment summary for 2019, that is 1819, for the period when they're not on STP? Okay, so again, I'll just reiterate, I think we've had similar questions. Um, If you bring in all your year-to-dates for your employees and report those through STP, you don't have to do a payment summary. Um, But if you start partway through the year from zero year-to-date, you would need to go back and do payment summaries for those parts not reported through STP. All right. Now, probably one of the most interesting questions has been sent in by Lisa. And Lisa, you've been good enough to actually send us a screenshot of what the MyGov account looks like. So thank you for providing that to us. Her question is, we've used two different software applications, MYOB Essentials and MYOB Account Right Plus this financial year. This has resulted in two amounts showing on employee MyGov accounts, one being for the first software year to date from July to December, and the second being the second year to date, running from July to current, effectively adding the first six months to the entire year to date. How do we get rid of the first six months worth? Can it be deleted? So what's happened is she's used one software package for six months, then she's gone to the second software package, and that's re-reported what was already reported through the first software package. That's so right. in her yep. MyGov account, if I just look at that screenshot, same employer, but one figure is larger than the other because it includes current data running up to April, but it basically also includes the data that was already reported. That's right. So what do they do? Um, so where you change your software halfway through the year, um, again, some of this depends on what choices you make. So if you were to move to a new software and start from zero, you would need to leave that amount there. And when you say zero, we're talking Z, not X, just so we're clear. Yes. Yes. Z, zero, naught. 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 But if you bring across and do a migration of the year-to-date figures, you do need to back out those original figures, and you do that through an update event through in your original software. So um, for Lisa here, I'd suggest that she should talk to her provider about um, how to how to be able to do that. If she does have any difficulties, then I'd suggest to give the HR a call so that we can have a look at that problem. Look, the advantage, as I see, she's using MyOB for both. It's not like it's going to a different company, as in not MyOB to zero, for example. So really, she should be zeroing out the reports that were already sent in for the July to December period and then just rely on the current software package for the whole year today. That's correct, yeah. Okay, so hopefully, Lisa, that answers your question. Sue has asked, I currently process payroll for two unrelated staff. They're paid on a weekly basis. At the moment, as the amounts of the payment do not change, I settle these up in my accounting package in advance for a six-month period. The weekly pays are set up as a direct debit, which processes automatically in internet banking. Under STP, will I still be able to set the accounting for the payroll in advance, 
or will I now need to go to weekly processing for those pays? How does it work if I'm on holidays and not around to process the pays? Okay, so I suppose, again, just to reiterate, STP is a reporting obligation. It doesn't change when you pay the HO or when or how you pay your staff. So if she wants to schedule six months in advance through her banking system, that's fine. That's correct. Um, but because you are paying every week, there is an STP reporting obligation on each of those paydays. Um, so if you've got a payroll software, that, again, that would just be around reporting as you run the payroll software. Um, onto that question about payment in advance, we've had this question quite a few times, um, especially around Christmas time when people quite often um, run a couple of pay runs and forward date them. Um, you can lodge your STP report at any time up to the due date. Um, the system doesn't stop you after, but obviously you're then late under the law. Yes. Um, but you can lodge it before. You don't have to wait until the due date to lodge. So theoretically, um, I wouldn't suggest she does this, but she could sit down and do all the STP reports for the next six months in one hit and then just allow the pay to go through physically over the next six months. That's theoretically yeah, Theoretically, possible. yes. yes. Um, there but may be some adjustments needed in the interim. Particularly if an employee departs in the That's meantime. Right. Okay. Yep. So again, Sue, hopefully that addresses your question. Margie has asked, I'm frequently asked what happens where clients will be away, need to future date the payment of their pay run. So I suspect we're going to be heading down the same path yep. with this question. Many SMEs have direct debits set up in their internet banking for regular salary based on payments that don't change. Will the ATO accept pay events that are future dated in the payroll system? Would love to hear detailed clarification on these hot topics. So again, um, yes, we're quite happy to receive um, reports early. So, ATO loves reports. That's right, and, and the earlier that we much more enjoy them getting earlier than later. So um, there's nothing to stop you if you run your payroll in advance. And as I said, the classic we keep hearing about is over the holiday period. Um, there's nothing to stop you sending those through, just like you send the bank reports through, um, but have the future date so the bank doesn't process the payments until the, you know, until the appropriate payday. Okay, Nicole has asked, timing and payment of bonuses. So I'd call this an out of cycle payment. So you might have a, a fortnightly pay and then you pay someone a bonus in between the normal pay cycle. What happens? Uh, so again, as I've mentioned earlier, um, under our guidance, if you've got out of cycle payments, you can roll that forward into the next regular um, payment cycle, whether it be weekly, fortnightly or monthly for that employee. Um, that said, a lot of pay systems are set up now to just generate an STP report. So when you generate the banking file, it'll generate the STP report at the same time. So you could do an out of cycle pay event at the time the bonus is paid. That's right, yeah. So okay. again, it depends on how your, you know, your software is configured. So we've given the choice. Um, many of those choices have been taken by the software developer and taken away from the employer because of complexity. But there'd be nothing wrong with them waiting to the next normal pay cycle right. to yep. submit that report. A lot of issues are being raised still from Nicole about how to manage personal services income within the STP environment. So um, so at PSI, um, because of its nature, is generally out of scope for STP because it's not it's not a payment as such that subjects, you know, it's a it's a notional calculation for want of a better description. All right. I want to do a deeper dive into this one right. because for those that have personal services income being derived in typically an entity, a company or a trust, there are two main ways you can handle it. You can either pay yourself a salary or wage uh, within 14 days of that pay period, and that would generate a PAYG withholding obligation. I'd just call that vanilla salaries and wages, yep. and that would then give rise to a pay event and STP yep. reporting. If, however, they don't do any salaries and wages, or they don't do a full amount, then it will be attributed PSI at the end of the income year. And look, I've got to say, Michael, this is still a really poorly complied with area. 
Yep. So let's assume that you're not doing any salaries and wages. The accountants will always correctly attribute that amount in the tax return of the individual. But I've got to say it's rare that I see withholding being paid on the attributed PSI. And that is actually a legal obligation to do. Yep. If you're more than 25000 of withholding a year, it's a monthly obligation as a medium withholder. So I think the point is if you're doing a proper salary and wage, that's normal STP reporting, yep. even if it's PSI because you're paying it as a salary or wage, if it's attributed PSI and it's not being paid as a salary or wage, you've still got the quarterly or monthly withholding depending on the size, but that's now out of scope. So that's that correct. would not yep. go through STP. That's right. Um, and just a little tax tip, attributed PSI does not attract SG. So if you're actually not wanting those on costs, um, sometimes you're better off doing attributed PSI than actually paying the salary and wage if you don't want to pay SG on it. All right. On to a further question from Nicole. Clarification of the use of the tax agent portal to meet requirements. Now, before you answer that, Michael, I put this categorical question to John on Monday and I said, will you or will you not allow STP reporting through the portal? And his response was, what you're going to tell me now. Oh, I just suggest everyone go back and listen to John's um, description. <laughs> no, I think we've been fairly um, consistent on this, is that um, we're not standing up a solution through the portal for STP reporting. It's a question that has been answered repeatedly, and it's also a question that nonetheless is still coming up. Yeah. So for the record, once again, everybody please understand there is no STP reporting through the portal. You will be able to view STP reports and you can see whether an employer's lodged one, but you will not be able to submit the data through the portal. Michael has uh, raised a question. This goes back to something you mentioned in the webcast. So um, let's revisit this. He said that you mentioned in the webcast, let's not get our Michaels confused. Michael, the questioner, has asked that Michael sitting before me mentioned in the webcast that amendments to STP can be done via the portal with the BAS. How would it match the amended amount to an individual's uh, in single tax payroll amount? So can we just go back a step? Is it possible to amend STP via the portal using the BAS? Or are we going back to the W1, W2 argument? Yeah, so I think we're coming back to the W1 and W2. So into next calendar year, we're, we're looking to start to roll out pre-filling of the BAS using STP data. Um, but the employer or their agent still has the opportunity to, to review that and to make adjustments. So that's when we talk about being able to make adjustments. You can make those adjustments um, to make sure you pay the right amount on time through the BAS, because the BAS is what records the liability. Um, but again, any adjustment at the individual level, you just do that in your payroll system and roll that forward into next payday. So I've spoken a few times today about how we understand the system, the way the system is designed is you, we, we expect to see slight variation between what's on the BAS and what's on the year-to-date individual records for every quarter. We really, you know, it's the end of the year when that all squares up. Okay, so this final question comes from June. If an employee uses two different payroll software applications within the same financial year, what will be shown in the employee's income statement in the MyGov accounts in terms of year-to-date balances? For example, an employer starts STP reporting using one software package, so MYOB Account Right Plus, then partway through the year changes software applications, MYOB Account Right Premier, or even changes to a totally different software provider such as Xero. When viewed by the employer through the ATO business portal, it can be seen that from July to January, the employer reported pay events using the first software package, and the reports have the initial business management software ID. The next part of the year, February to current, 
the employer reported using the second software package, and you can see that there is a different business management software ID showing with the reports. In terms of what the employees will see, will STP recognise that the second lot of reports sent by the second lot of software, February to the current month, as a continuation of the year-to-date balance, so year-to-date will just update to the current month's year-to-date, or will it think there are two different sources of income? So that long question from June is not dissimilar to Lisa's question. That's correct. So there's two parts to that. So at the employer level, we just show a period total for each payday. So you would just, if you change software products partway through the year, you know, the next payroll that came in with a new BMS ID, that's what you'd see. So exactly what's said there is what's happened. When it comes down to the individuals where it's year to date, I think that goes back to the previous question. If you're going to bring the year to date figures across for the employee, you need to zero out under the original um, BMS ID. So you can carry forward so the employee will only see one record. I'll probably step back about why we allow multiple BMS IDs. And this was because there are many employers who run more than one payroll system. The, particularly the bigger employers, not so much the Generally smaller? bigger employers, but even mm. smaller employers who might have one or two shops. So they might have, okay. a, they might have their payroll run at each, you know, at each location. And then if you've got someone going from one location to another location, um, if you only run it off their TFN and the ABN, the year-to-dates will keep overriding each other. So you, end up, you won't see all their income. So it's a, part of the, it's a part of the solution to say we didn't want employers having to stitch together you know, a single report out of multiple systems, that would just be a nightmare. It would be. Um, so that's why we have this concept of a BMS ID. It does bring some complication where you move someone's year-to-date from one system to another system that you need to back out the original through an update and zero out all those figures for them. Once you zero out those figures, that record disappears from their online view. So the current software that you're using should be the one that has the year-to-date figures in it, yep. and you go back to the old software system or the previous system and zero that out. That's right. Zero with a Z. Yep. Okay. So thank you, Michael. I think that was just a wonderful opportunity to address all those questions that came out of the webinar. I think it also demonstrates that we ran the webinar for an hour and a half. In fact, I think it was a few minutes over. And it's taken us now an hour to get through all the questions that arose from the webinar. So look, we could have run a a two and a half hour webinar, but that gets pretty lengthy for that kind of a a platform. So I'm very grateful to you for coming back and addressing all these questions and, and being able to answer every single one. So thank you. No, you're welcome. And thank you for having us. Pleasure. So thank you for listening to this episode of Tax Yak. If you're enjoying our podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show wherever you are, because it will help to improve the profile of the show. If ever there was an episode suitable for sharing, this is it. I think this episode in particular, which is the first one we've run purely on a Q&A basis. Um, every other discussion has been talking about a particular topic and we have a conversation. But this content was all driven by you, the listeners, and you, the viewers on our webinar. So thank you to all of you for sending in your questions. I think it'll be a wonderful episode to share with everybody. And hey, it's Easter time. Let's talk about STP for the next few days. You can listen to this while you're relaxing. If you'd like to connect with us on social media and let us know what you think or suggest future topics or speakers, you'll find us on LinkedIn and Twitter, or you can email us at podcast at taxbanter.com.au. You can also find our regular blog articles at taxbanter.com.au forward slash banter hyphen blog. We look forward to you joining us next time, and I wish everybody a very safe and happy Easter. <laughs>